Okay, okay, everyone, I think uh, everyone's making their way back now. If you've got a Bible, why don't you uh, take that out? Uh, feel free to get on your phone as long as you don't spend your time surfing the internet um, if you've got your Bible there. Uh, Tonya, do you want to make your way up? And Tonya's going to do our first reading for us. We're in the book of Colossians. We've reached verse 24 of chapter 1. So we're Colossians 1, 24, 29. It'll come up on the screen. And uh, Tonya is going to read this to us. Let's give Tonya a little round of applause, shall we? Morning, everyone. Um, Colossians 1, 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, which is us. I hope I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ, energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, morning, everyone. Today's preach is entitled The Maturity You Long For. Uh, personally, I always find it quite hard speaking about maturity. Um, just being honest with you, I was a, a very late developer growing up, so I felt like about five years behind the curve. Um, I, I've always looked younger than I actually am, which may be a blessing in life as I get older, but I know when I was younger, I always felt that I had to sort of prove myself, or uh, I didn't feel like people respected me uh, for what I looked like, because I looked so young. I've just had my 50th birthday. Gasp, yes. So, yeah, yeah, thanks. Mixed reactions around the room. Shock, horror, applause, you know, I'll take it all. This is what I've dealt with all of my life. Um, And I've had to lean into my identity in Jesus because it's so easy for me just to sort of, I guess, go with what I think everyone else is thinking of me. And I felt that same comparison at times when uh, when I think about spiritual maturity. I wonder how spiritually mature you think you are. Like if you were to grade your spiritual maturity, I'm not gonna ask you to share this with anyone, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being you know, pretty like Jesus, one being somewhere else, and you can't choose five, where would you be? And if you do have a number in your head, like who are you comparing your maturity with? to make that choice. I think one of the deepest tragedies in the church is spiritual immaturity. So I might be uh, breaking a few eggs here to make the omelet, but signs of spiritual immaturity include things like being easily swayed by false doctrines. So you hear something and it drags you away from the core tenets of Christianity. Or there's an inability to move from just being a consumer into being a contributor 
or you give in to sinful desires. There's just simply a lack of obedience in your life to Jesus. There's an emotional fragility, which means that your emotions lead you rather than scripture. Or there's a slavery in your heart to the opinions of others. Or there's just simply a lack of wisdom. So you don't put God first and the lifestyle choices you make and the relational choices you make don't actually reflect what God's best is for you. And all of the hurt that we experience in church life is usually down to immaturity. Instead, God really does want a better way for the church. God's heart is maturity. And what we got from the reading today was Paul's desire for the church in Colossae uh, to be mature. He is using the word strenuously contending for that church to mature. Now, just before we launch into looking at maturity, you might have noticed in verse 24, we've got quite a strange verse. Verse 24 says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And I know it's quite a complicated sentence, but it seems like he's saying that Paul is adding something to the work of Jesus's suffering on the cross. And he's not saying that, and I think probably the best explanation is that Paul is somehow saying that the suffering that he experiences is a visible reenactment of the suffering of Christ on the cross. So he's not adding anything of uh, its worth, but he is showing people what Christ's suffering is like. So he's filling up in his flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. A story is a better way to explain it. I heard uh, recently of a story of an Indian missionary who was walking barefoot village to village uh, to spread the gospel in India. His hardships were many, and after uh, many miles and lots of discouragement, he came to a certain village and he tried to speak the message of Jesus, tried to speak the gospel, but he was driven out of town and rejected. So he went to the edge, uh, the edge of a village, uh, dejected, downcast, lay down under a tree, and slept from exhaustion. When he woke up, he realized that people were sort of hovering over him, and the whole town had gathered around him to hear him speak. See, what happened is the headman of the village came to look over him while he was sleeping and saw his blistered feet and concluded this must be a holy man and they had been evil to reject his message. And so they were sorry and they wanted to hear his message uh, because he was so willing to suffer in order to bring them this message. So the evangelist filled up the afflictions of Jesus. Does that make sense? With his beautiful blistered feet. That's how he did it, and I hope that helps, but let me just bring us back to the, the main thrust of this text. What is spiritual maturity? And I must admit, I've got to thank US Pastor John Tyson for inspiring some of this stuff that I'm going to share with you today. So number one, maturity isn't perfection. We often confuse being spiritually mature with perfection, when in reality, maturity is actually about how much we are loving and living like Jesus in our own circumstances. 
So if you wanted a definition of spiritual maturity, it would be this. Spiritual maturity is seen in the disciple who increasingly does what Jesus would do in his or her place. So those different areas of your life, at work, at school, at home, uh, all your interactions with all the different people, you are becoming more spiritually mature. The more your life reflects um, what it would look like if Jesus was living in your shoes. Secondly, maturity, it develops in stages. So spiritual maturity develops in stages rather than all at once. I think we know this, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, and we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We also see it, don't we, in the life of Jesus. He grew in wisdom and stature, Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And so it often works like this spiritual maturity. We come to God, we, uh, when we first come to God, he convicts us of perhaps the big obvious sins, the stuff in our life that just doesn't line up with Christianity. So it might be that you have lived for years with hatred and bitterness towards someone. Perhaps you're a violent person and as you come to Christ, suddenly you're aware that that needs to change. Or um, you were having sex before marriage and suddenly uh, in that relationship as you come to Christ and convicted that sex is just for marriage, that that sex is never the same or you just know internally that you need to stop. And then what happens is, as God deals with some of those big outlying sinful areas, he tends to move by his Holy Spirit inward to changing and refining our our thoughts and our motivations and our desires. So it's not the big things so much anymore, but it's the subtle things. It's the inward unseen things. So perhaps you're someone that lacks integrity and honesty in the workplace and suddenly you're aware that that needs to change or your life, uh, you spent most of your life consumed with other people's opinions of you and you realize, ah, this isn't living as Christ would want me to live. And so we repent and we obey and we relinquish control to God and we receive power from the Holy Spirit and we start over time to become like Christ in our everyday lives. We react differently, we think differently, we're less emotionally led, we choose purity. And I I don't know if that's your story, but that would be my story of spiritual maturity. I remember as a a young person in my early 20s, I'd come to Christ uh, in a powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. And for me, a big sin, a big realization was that I had spent my whole life living in fear. And the fact that I was living in fear meant that I was a doormat. I just allowed people to do stuff to me. I couldn't stand up for myself and it affected every thought, every decision, every habit. And so in order to mature me, God got me into a place where I had some friends around me who helped me see the issue. Then bit by bit, as I saw I wasn't living God's best for my life, I started to repent and start to proactively dwell on what God thought of me, who I was in Christ, living for God, not for people, fearing God, not man. And it resulted in some outward change. And so I remember distinct moments in my student house. I lived with people who didn't go to church, who hated the church, 
who abused me because of my faith and I'd sort of allowed it all to happen. I can remember some defining moments where I sort of gathered them together and I stood in front of them. I said, you will not speak to me like that anymore. You know, and I got tears running down my face and my fingers shaking and it, just, it was such a huge battle to stand up. But that was this outward sign of this inward change that was starting to happen. I had a friend pray for me and I'm not ashamed to say, but I think I was delivered of a demon. And uh, I, 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 I'd given myself so much to fear that it, would, it had grown like a vine into sort of every bit of my soul. And because I'd so given myself to fear, I, I, I remember a, a trusted friend who was mentoring me, prayed for me, and uh, as he prayed for me to know freedom from fear, it felt like this thing that had grown sort of in every part of my soul, I could feel it starting to shrivel. In the, by the name of Jesus and as he prayed for me to know freedom I felt this whole thing like come up and out of me and it's a weird thing done by a not very weird person and it's, it, you know, it's something we don't come across very often but for me I'd so given my life to fear and suddenly I was experiencing freedom from it and more than that I was able to move from fearing my housemates to really loving them and really wanting the best for them and not just coming under their authority but me going to them and wanting them to know Jesus. So listen, maturity isn't perfection but it develops in stages and for you with your stuff, you should be able to see over time that increasing naturally living as Jesus would live in your shoes as you get free from those issues. Is this making sense, everyone? Yeah, give me a few nods, that's great. So thirdly, inward transformation leads to outward change. Paul talks about this in verse 27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Everyone say Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So maturity happens when the Christ in you starts to leak out and bleed out into your life. So this isn't religious moralism, which is the more you do Christian stuff, the more your heart changes. No, you are changed internally first. Maturity isn't measured by your religious practices, by your doing, but rather who you are becoming and beginning to act and think and love like Jesus. So I, I want in your minds to imagine spiritual maturity like this. Imagine a dancer. Don't think of rich. Imagine a dancer. <laughs> She's dancing with grace and with joy and with rhythm. Um, and as you look close, sorry, that's a bit harsh. Isn't it? You're good. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Um, as you look closer, you'll see that what drives all this beautiful movement is she's got some earbuds in. And she's hearing the music that she loves best in all the world. And it's transporting her. She's captivated. She's enthralled by it. And it's almost like she can't stop dancing. Now, imagine a second person walking in the room. And she looks at the dancer and thinks, I would love to be able to dance like that. But she can't hear the music. So she tries to copy the moves, uh, the technique, and it actually seems to be working at least for a time but because she hears no music the movement is clunky and hesitant and uh, self-conscious and she doesn't seem to enjoy the dancing as much as the first dancer does and before too long she is exhausted 
while the first answer is still going strong. Are we the second answer? Telling ourselves as Christians to copy all the right moves, to read your Bible, to pray, to go to church, to love others, to share the gospel, while doing relatively little to hear the beautiful music which has got to drive it all. Relationship with God, the grace of God, the person of Jesus, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So those things that are the doing are important, but if that's the thing that drives our maturity, we will become exhausted and want to give up. Incredibly, this verse tells us that Jesus is not just for us, but he's in us. So when we become a Christian, we become so holy, the righteousness of Christ so covers us, is so complete, that we become the dwelling place of God. It's this inward transformation that flows outward. Christ in us, the hope of glory, invading and spilling out into our lives. And imagine a church that is increasingly doing that. Encouraging and exhorting each other to let the Christ in us grow and leak out into our lives. I think it would be a beautiful place to be. But that's not the case. So number four and lastly, what stops us from growing? Well, I've got a little diagram here for you. If we can just have the next slide. So often what happens in our Christian walk is it starts with an encounter. So it's a spiritual encounter or a sudden awareness of the grace and love of God. And it can come through a big breakthrough moment or it can come bit by bit, but we're awakened to God and his purposes and plans for our lives. We then start to get discipled. This is where we start to grow and learn to live for God in community. This is where we encourage one another. You're becoming Jesus' disciple. And then you move into contribution where out of the growth, out of this greater um, sense of God at work, you contribute to the life of the church, to society, to your relationships. You become a contributor, not a consumer. You, you, you're loving it, actually, because you're discovering your spiritual gifts, why you are made, your God-given purpose. Suddenly, everything is riddled with life. It feels thrilling. It can be exciting and exhilarating. And in your own times with God, God feels really close, and living for God feels easy. You have spiritual Momentum. Has anyone ever felt like that? Anyone? Yeah, quite a lot of us. But at some point in our walk with Jesus, we hit the wall. At some point, whatever we are doing stops working. So the honeymoon period ends. You hit this wall. The marathon runners, people doing the Abbey Dash today, maybe some of them hit a wall. And what happens is when we hit a wall... We're told to do a few things. And before I tell you that, I just want to say what I see in the church right now. I think I'm seeing a lot of you hit this spiritual wall. And this cycle can be repeated many, many times in life. I see many of you hitting the spiritual wall. And for you, it's a season where you feel stretched more than ever before. So for some of you, it's to do with your work, you're perhaps a business owner or an entrepreneur or you're just starting out in the workplace or you've received a few promotions and suddenly the, the pressure is increasing. 
For some of you, uh, you're just in a job that is incredibly demanding and COVID has made everything worse. So the shifts you're being asked to work, uh, how you do your actual job, um, the impact of people being off work, meaning you've got low numbers. Um, for some of you, it's parenting. We have got, I think, 100 children at North Central and all of them are under one, I think. It feels like that time. They're not under one, but they're very young, mainly under five. And so if you're a parent in the room, this is the most demanding physically bit of your life you will ever go through. And many of you I speak to are emotionally low. So we've just had a pandemic and you've managed to get through it. And now sort of the reality of how you're doing emotionally is coming out to the surface. So you, I think there's lots of people hitting the wall at the moment. Now, conventional wisdom tells you to do one of two things. One would be to try harder and try and regain the experience you had when it felt really great. So you look back at that time and think, I want to go back to God being close and it all being easy and great. And so you double your efforts. You sort of really push into that. But all of you that have tried that know that it doesn't actually work. Doesn't it doesn't work because not, that's not the point of the wall. And the other thing we're told to do, often by other Christians, is to drop everything. Like self-care. And you guys have done a whole preach on self-care. And I think generally self-care is good. But when it becomes about the self and not about God and community, it really runs into some problems. And so we're told to retreat and preserve and protect and retreat and ration. And it, we just need so much wisdom going into that area because it's so easy just to miss God in all of it. But I'll tell you, it doesn't work on its own. So both attempts land you in a very frustrating place. You will feel dry, it will feel difficult, it will feel confusing, it will feel frustrating. You'll change day to day, sometimes really being worried about where you're at spiritually, but often you'll just not care. You are hitting the wall. And the good news for you this morning is that it's an opportunity for maturity. It's actually God's best for you. And none of you look convinced of that whatsoever. So just like a marathon runner, doesn't, they're not meant to just give up when they hit the wall. They've got to keep going. I want to direct you in the right place this morning because you've got to keep going. And rather than doing loads of stuff and rather than just doing nothing, there is a journey inward that needs to happen. God is wanting to examine your motives in the stage of the war. He wants to go deeper. He is refining you. James 1, uh, from the message, sums it up beautifully. It says this, consider it a sheer gift. So that war you're experiencing right now, consider it a sheer gift. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure... Your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to the end of what others can do to help us, 
it opens us up to our need for God and opens up our capacity to receive more of God, to fill our needs. He's looking when you hit the wall for you to surrender to his timings, to his plans, and to his wisdom for your life. He's waiting for you to give up your rights. Like that's what he's longing for when you hit the wall. He's a loving father that wants to make you into the image of his son, Jesus. So he is disciplining the children that he loves. He wants a deeper sense of surrender. And I promise you, it is a moment of grace. Pastor and author E. Stanley Jones says this, got this quote here, self-surrender is at the very heart of God and is at the very heart of all his attitudes and actions. When he asks us to surrender ourselves, he's asking us to fulfill the deepest thing in himself and the deepest thing in us. So when you hit the wall, it is time for you to unpack the hurt that you've got in your life or the disappointment that you feel. It's, it's a time to go inward and admit your need for God. It probably means actually doing less for God, but it is allowing God access and learning from what you've experienced and examining your motives and letting the word of God, as Hebrews tells us, to penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's, when you hit the wall, you've got to give time to work out what God is doing in your heart. And from what I've read, 80% of Christians don't make it at this point. I mean, I, I don't know how they got that number. For what I'm reading, 80% of Christians just say, back off God. I'm too tired. This is not what I really want. I just haven't got it in me. You're asking too much. Do you know what's really happened to me? The hurt I feel, the disappointment I feel. I do not want us to be that sort of church. You know, we're meant to be a church that loves disciple making, that wants to be more like Jesus. We want that, don't we? And so when you hit the wall, what's required more than anything else is time with God. God wants you to prioritize this. And when you decide not to, when we decide not to, it is showing you how mature you are. So even God is there showing you where you're really at when you say no to him. And that's where we see that maturity is costly. It is deeply challenging, this moment. And so I, I haven't got time really to, to go into the depths of, you know, my love for you guys and me wanting the best. I, I hope I'm not coming across harsh in any way because I know so many of your stories and I know that life is tough right now. But it's in this beautiful moment that you get to say, God, you are worth it. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I read this quote this week and I think it's brilliant. Real transformation doesn't happen at Disneyland. It happens at Calvary. And so this is not an easy message to hear, 
this requires us going into the scriptures, going to Jesus on the cross and finding from him the power to become the people he's called us to be. And as you do, you will step into obedience. It will come in time. I promise you, if you allow God to examine your heart, if you submit and surrender to him, out the fruitfulness that will come out of him sifting you and refining you will be a greater obedience. You'll become more like Jesus. And then out of that place, Luke 9 starts to make sense. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. So listen, if you've hit the wall, do not be despondent. This, I I promise you, it is a moment of deep joy and deep grace. God will very gently, if you allow him, lead you to the wall and beauty will emerge from the ashes. God cares enough for you to not let you stay the same. The wall is there to make you review and examine, not to give up or double your efforts. So I want to ask you bluntly this morning, what will you do? Like for those of you that are hitting the wall right now, what will you do? So I can finish practically. Let me give you, I think, a a non-negotiable. Practically, the central practice that will produce the sort of spiritual maturity engagement um, that we are looking for is only found in Scripture. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, all scriptures, God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that's what we're talking about. We're training into being more Christ-like people. You will never, ever be mature if you don't value God's word. And you can also read a lot and not mature. So scripture is where we find out who Jesus is and what he values. It is the voice, not the echo in scripture. And I want you to love God's word, to pray God's word, to memorize God's word. It is living and active. It's where God will speak to you. It's where you will meet with Jesus. It will lead to encounter, which leads to surrender, which leads to obedience and love. So for some of you practically, I'd... let me speak to those of you that have just got a crazy schedule at the moment like work is super super demanding you need to give up something in your spare time in order to engage with scripture if you don't give that up it's just not going to happen because I imagine work isn't very flexible perhaps you're to pray the scriptures if you don't even know what to pray right now Psalm 139 the first 18 verses if you do not know what to pray Pray that. Psalm 139, verses 1 to 18. That can be your prayer in this season. We're studying the book of Colossians. It takes 20 minutes to read the book of Colossians, the letter. So try, try and read it every day. And if you can't do it every day, try it once a week. Take some time to get into the Gospels. Like, and ask when you read, like perhaps to read a parable, read a story of Jesus. Remember, we learned in Discovery Bible Study, four questions. What does this tell me about God? What does it tell me about us? What do I need to do? And who can I tell this story to? Like, just take 20 minutes to do that. Carve out 30 minutes of your life this week and read Luke 9, 23 and 24 
which is about losing your life and finding it. And think about where you're at with God. Think about your growth and your willingness to surrender and ask the Lord to help you. Perhaps take a journal out so you can write down your thoughts. Perhaps chat to a friend. We have triplets in this church, three people that you're growing in sort of intimacy with, people that know your life. Chat to them about how you're really doing. And our hope is, again, really practically, in the new year, we are going to start a brand new session of discipleship track. So it's a year-long course which will be specifically geared to helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus. We're going to rewrite the whole course, and so if you've done it before, you can do it again. So verse 28, let me finish on this. Here's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's for Rich and I, that's our longing for you guys. This part of why God has given us the jobs we've got is because we long for the church to be spiritually mature. We long for it, do you long for it? Listen, um, we're gonna take a moment to pray for one another. And um, I'm going to go for this. I, 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 I'm going to ask something quite hard. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a bit. And then I'm going to ask those of you that feel like you're at the wall, or this is like an important moment to stand up. And I'm going to ask people that are around you to pray for you, because we need community in those moments. And um, I was debating whether or not to ask you because it's probably the, like the last thing you want to do today. Um, and I don't really mind if there's one person or no one or lots of people, but I think this is a moment in God to just, with what you've got today, say yes to him. And it, it might be that you there's like a whole long list of struggles and issues that are in the back of your mind but um, I just think for a moment, let's be family together. Let's, yeah, let's support one another. Let's be those that stand with those that are struggling right now. So when you close your eyes, I'm going to pray. And then in a moment, perhaps a couple of you can stand that just feel like this preach was for you. Well, this is a moment that you do feel like you're really struggling. Well, Jesus, thank you so much that this is a moment for things to go deeper. Whether we want it or not, this is your best for us whether we don't really know what to do, Lord, we trust that it's time to mature. So Holy Spirit, come and visit us in these moments. Help us to review and reflect, but please refine us so we move from baby to adult. So yeah, with everyone's eyes closed, why don't you just stand up if you just know this is a, a moment for you, just to say to God, I'm here. Just need your help. Thank you so much. Well done, everyone. Just know that, you know, just you feel that you're in a place where stuff's difficult. Thank you so much. Well done. It's so brave. And uh, why don't you just put your hands out in front of you? Just it's a good way physically, isn't it? Just to say, God, I need some help. To Holy Spirit, lavish your goodness on us. We find ourselves in a really challenging place and you know our story, you know all the ins and outs and the complications, but right now we're here for you and we want to say yes to your work in our hearts. 
Holy Spirit, come and pour out your strength on us so that we can use this moment to mature in Jesus.